You're listening to Once, episode 257, The Savior, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to Season 6 of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron, And we are happy to be back in the podcasting chair behind the microphones and happy to be talking to you again about the show, Once Upon a Time. And boy, I think this was a good season premiere. It wasn't like amazing, but it was really good, like good content, good character development. Aaron, Jeremy, what did you guys think? I agree. It was a good season opener, and um, I especially enjoyed it after watching the special that ABC aired. I'm torn. I was underwhelmed, but I also am always complaining that they never get any kind of a break whatsoever. I kind of rolled my eyes when everything started shaking. Well, I was rolling my eyes before that, but that was for a different reason. And (laughs) then it kind of the dirigible crashed and it wasn't chaos. It was just scared people in the woods with torches who didn't burst upon the scene and confuse us with a million new characters. I was actually pretty encouraged during the special to hear that they want to focus on the core characters. Yeah. And speaking of the special, it wasn't, and we're not talking about Lego movie here, but the special <laughs> just before this, I could talk about the Lego movie all night long because everything is awesome. You got to watch the Lego movie if you haven't already. But uh, the special before this called Evil Reigns Once More was pretty good. Like they had some questions uh, for Kitsis and Horowitz from the fans. And I'm sure they edited out the questions they didn't actually want to answer, the questions they didn't like that much. But there were some fun questions. Like, uh, there was a question about what's your favorite episode? What would you wear to a Captain Swan wedding? And Kitsis and Horowitz kind of joked about, ah, we see what you're doing there. You're, you're trying to bait us. Uh, there were mm-hmm. uh, questions like, what would the Charmings do on vacation? Uh, what's with all the curses? <laughs> and someone did even ask about Dopey, because remember the last we knew, Dopey was a tree. And they did talk about that a little bit. It was a pretty good special that helped remind us of where Once Upon a Time has been. And it seemed very heavily focused on season one kind of stuff, which since that's the prequel to season six, Mm -hmm. this is the lead in reminding us where we've been. And they talk about the core characters. It gives me some big hope that season six will feel a lot like season one in terms of like the magic, the, the surprises, the storylines, the plots, and and our guessing constantly and trying to figure things out and being wrapped up in learning about these characters. They almost half acknowledge that they've just been bouncing from world to world and story to story without doing anything for the core characters. It almost sounded like they were talking about this season as if they're planning that it might be the final season. That might be wishful thinking on my part just because I want them to wrap it up while the show's still, you know, kind of making sense. And I would love for them to do it by bringing it back to the pilot and what they had said in the pilot, or at least the first season as to where the show was going to go. And this special that they aired 
I agree. It was very good as far as some of the other specials that they've had before premieres. And um, it did really sound like that's what that's what it sounded like, whether that's what they're going to do or not. That's definitely an angle that they seem to be taking. Yeah. So let's talk about this episode. And these are only our initial reactions. We'll be a bit all over the place in our thoughts and won't get everything right. But we want to get this information out to you as soon as possible. This upcoming Wednesday, and we do the podcast uh, live 15 minutes after the shows on Sunday nights, but then on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. live, we do our full discussion, and we'd love to include your feedback, too. So I'll give that feedback information later on, but that's when we'll dig in with more theories, more feedback, more research, more sound clips, and that kind of thing, but we just watched the show, and it starts out with one flashback. One and only one flashback. Oh, you're right. Well, yeah. Traditional flashback. To somewhere Agrabah-like with a Jafar-like person who happens to use the same name, Jafar. Many years ago. <laughs> and has the same Amara Cobra uh, staff. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're talking about, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, spinoff TV show. They used Jafar, Naveen Andrews, right? That was his name? Yes. Uh, from Lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did a good job with Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. We did a podcast about it. That's when Erin first joined the podcast, by the way, if you're ever wondering. <laughs> is That's how Yay. she started getting her podcasting feet wet. But <laughs> there, uh, Jafar was this definite character there and had all of this development. They brought all of those elements but cast a different person to play Jafar. Now, besides that fact that's a different person, I thought the guy that they got to play this Jafar is a good Jafar, as much as we've seen of him thus far. I, say, I don't think we saw enough. There wasn't enough for me to get over the fact that they up and changed an actor, which, yes, they've done, but not after an entire season of a show before where he was a central character and played very well. So I, at no point in his one scene, got over that enough to evaluate him fairly. I also felt like Jafar's story was very complete in Wonderland. And like maybe they're just bringing him back temporarily, but... It's the evil queen treatment. Yeah. Even as far as timeline goes, I don't know where this can fit knowing that we know the Wonderland world that we know, unless this was just a way to introduce Aladdin and it's the many years ago. other person. <laughs> yes, that part works. But if they bring him into present day is what I mean. Yep. Because his story's been told. He shouldn't be on untold character island. <laughs> right? Speaking of, they're starting the twist. If you notice, they're starting to be little assuming phrases as people talk about the land of untold stories, like things they just somehow intrinsically know or remember that we didn't hear anything about last year. Regina, of course, usually gets the task of introducing these concepts. And she talked about people hiding there so their stories wouldn't play out. No one said anything about that before ever that I can remember. And now it's just, they're kind of working it in. So maybe we just kind of feel like we forgot. But yeah, that's totally a part of Forgotten Character Land or 
whatever it's called. <laughs> I think we did get something that resembled that. Uh, something about like people went to the land of untold stories to escape their story, which is a different way of saying to not let your story play out. I suppose. I don't know what that means. Are we talking about fate? Are we talking about an author, whereas Henry's authorship is really just a scribe? And what was the bit about those who – so, yeah. So when he said those who don't want their stories to play out, did he actually mean the people themselves? Because when Hyde said it, it sounded like somebody else didn't want those people's stories to play out. Yeah, he said there's nothing more dangerous than an untold story and the people who don't want them told. Yeah, so – so there's that whole mess, but we didn't really have to deal with it tonight. <laughs> no, that'll be the, the rest of the season, <laughs> or at least 6A. And I, I assume... Or all of six. I assume we'll get to see more of Aladdin, because he's supposedly the savior in his realm, and now we learn that there are multiple saviors for multiple realms, and yes. his nemesis was Jafar, and it seems like Jafar defeats him, but we, we don't know how that story fully plays out, although we have seen an Aladdin-like character in the Land of Untold Stories in the season finale. So most likely, he, I, I'm guessing he came over with everyone else. Maybe Aladdin is the villain that Emma faces, and it's savior versus savior, and that's the final battle? No. <laughs> <laughs> Enough with the final the, battles. No. <laughs> the dark figure in her premonition or whatever that was did not look very savory. There was purple smoke. Was it purple? See, to me that was thought, red, but oh. I was watching on like super low definition. <laughs> was it supposed to actually be a dark one or did it just borrow a cloak from a dark one? It could be a dark one. Hey, what if it's Rumple? What if it's... Bell's baby, Morpheus. I don't think Bell's baby is Morpheus. What if it's not even a real vision? What if it's fake? What if it was planted? I wonder that too. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's a possible future and that something like it will happen. Because here's the thing. Yes, Emma gets stabbed. And she grabbed, we'll call him a guy, just for fun. <laughs> she grabs the guy's arm. With her shaking hand. That's when the vision stops. Uh, hey, here's a little tip for life. If you ever get to see a vision of the future and you see yourself stabbed or something horrible happen, keep watching because there's some kind of clue that indicates, oh, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> they didn't show us that. So I really think her dying is not the end of the story. We know all the tricks. Just yeah. because the oracle said that she would die doesn't mean that she'll die. It'll just mean that's how the oracle interpreted it. It still could happen. But even they've already left a lot of wiggle room saying you can change the path but not the destination. They can say, oh, look, you didn't die this year. You're still going to die someday. Cool. Yeah, I didn't like that whole conversation. I don't like the idea that everything's set in stone and that you don't really have, I mean, I guess they're saying you have a little bit of free will because you can walk like, you know, down this street instead to still get to that street. But 
it's like ultimately they're implying that everything like fate, like that it's set in stone. And then that kind of challenges this whole show a little bit. Like why are all these characters fighting so hard if the ending is going to be the same anyway? And why does it make her handshake? (laughs) Well, Archie has a different idea about that. Yeah. Archie. Great to see Raphael Sabarge in Once Upon a Time Again and Pongo, too. But <laughs> <laughs> but we've never talked to Pongo. That was such a great scene. <laughs> yeah, we've never interviewed Pongo on the podcast. <laughs> Although we could, and you'd never know if it was a Pongo or a Pongo double. Yeah, then we'd be lying just like Emma. Oh, my goodness. Why is it the first thing they all do every time they, like, by the end of the season, they're like, I'm sorry, I lied. We, we, we should be honest with each other. No more lying. And the next thing that happens, uh, oh, yeah, everything's cool. I'm fine. Totally didn't just see my future death. Nope. I mean, habits and defense mechanisms are hard to change, but it's been six years. Like, you'd think that Emma <laughs> could be a little bit different I said this in chat. I literally got like a vision of like the character from the beastly Beauty and the Beast remake movie saying, you've learned nothing when the kid's begging her to take the curse off him. Like she, it really seems like Emma has absolutely reverted back to, you know, the fake 14 year old she was when she got to Storybrooke who doesn't know how to process anything in a mature manner. And speaking of reverting back to Regina and Zelina really sound like teenage sisters. That was. Ugh. But at the same time, <laughs> their little fight inside the mayor's office, I think, was really well done. Uh, but why? Why did it was? even happen? Why did why? I can't think of anything we've seen that made Regina's reaction actually make sense. Grief. The whole I blame you thing. Like, that's weird. That's not where they left it. Well, she she's processed it a little bit. And this is the thing. When people go through a horrible uh, thing of grief or something horrible happens, what they say immediately and then what they say after they process it a little bit can often be extremely different because they they convince themselves of some other kind of truth. And speaking of Zelina and Regina, how about Zelina and the evil queen? Do you think they'll actually team up? I think Adam and Eddie strongly suggested that as a possibility in the special when they said, we're not sure what sister Zelina will want. So I think they're definitely at least, you know, planting that idea in our heads that that team is going to happen. Zelina is so much of a diva. With her evilness, wickedness. She, yeah, wickedness. wickedness. She, she reacts to things so harshly, and it's like, oh, you won't do this thing. Well, I'm going to burn the entire world because that's how wicked I am. That's basically Zelina's perspective. So I could see her after this little fight with her sister. I could see her then meeting evil queen and deciding, you know what. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to go all out and destroy Regina down with Regina. Evil Queen kind of seems cooler. She dresses more in my style anyway. <laughs> well, and she's exactly like that as far as the whole, oh, a 10 year old told, told my secret. I better destroy 
everything yeah. because of that. And did you notice the drink that uh, Evil Queen gave to Zelina? It was green. Yes. It was an apple martini. So it was oh, the combination of both of them. It was apple for Evil Queen and green for Zelina. Nice yeah. little merge of their universes. I can't feel like Evil Queen is real. I don't understand her existence. Yeah. I mean, who goes by the name Evil Queen? It's bad enough with Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> They're like two different people. Literally, he'd turn from one into the other. And they had separate personalities and separate minds. So splitting them is one thing, but splitting this evil queen entity from Regina, it's like, so do you have the same memories? Do you, shouldn't you identify yourself as the real Regina instead of referring to Regina in the third person? If you're going to be real, you should say, I'm Regina. You're the wrong kind. You need to die. Unless it, is further confirming my theory, which I represented in our last episode with uh, Heather from Craftlit. If you haven't heard that, definitely go to onespodcast.com slash 256. All kinds of really cool inspiration from the Jekyll and Hyde story, some discussion there, and some really cool parallels between Regina, Evil Queen, and Jekyll and Hyde. My theory that I, this is my pet theory. I may end up mentioning this in every episode, but I'll try not to. My pet theory is that Hyde is the original. And Jekyll is the ripped version out of this. Now, the motivation that could have been Hyde wanted to be rid of this good side of himself, his conscience, in other words, or the, his feeling of, I shouldn't be doing these kinds of things. Maybe he wanted to be rid of that, and then that created Dr. Jekyll. Or maybe he was trying to bring out the good in himself. In, in either case, I really think that Hyde is the original person. But I thought they already stated the whole history differently than that. Not, no, I don't think they did. Not in the show? It was either Jekyll or Hyde that explained it. Mm. And, and this show has a history of twisting things. So that's, that's my pet theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> hey, speaking of sticking to it, I want to thank our heroes who stick... <laughs> <laughs> and their pets. Yes, I want to thank our heroes and their pets who stick with this podcast and support us episode after episode. We really couldn't do the podcast without you. So for this episode, I want to thank Lisa Slack, David Newland, Amy Cattelier, DJ Firewolf, and our 28 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much for your kind support of the podcast. We really appreciate it because the podcast has expenses like hosting the MP3 files so that you can download them quickly, hosting the website so you have a place to go where you can get the podcast, the forums, plugins that make all of this stuff work that we have to pay for, editing and show notes and and all of this other stuff that does cost, and we hope you think it's worth it. And so if you enjoy the podcast, and we're not saying you have to donate, but it, it would be great. And we think your pets would be happy too <laughs> if you donate. And if you could, if you can find it in your heart to be a hero to the podcast, and don't worry, our podcast doesn't give you the savior shakes. But if you oh my can... Oh gosh, please never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> if you can donate to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. That's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. 
And also, if you enjoy the podcast or any other podcast, if you just enjoy podcasts in general, then please celebrate International Podcast Day with us and many other podcasters and podcast fans on Friday, September 30th. Yes, we do have a day for podcasts. September 30th is International Podcast Day. If you want to learn more about that, go to internationalpodcastday.com or celebrate. I'm one of the co-founders of the day, and I'll be doing a lot of live streaming during the day, and you can find out more over at internationalpodcastday.com. But one of the coolest things you can do is tell someone else about your favorite podcast. Maybe it's us, maybe it's someone else, and get someone else listening to podcasts. That's over at internationalpodcastday.com. Every year, September 30th, hashtag podcast day. Be there and talk about podcasting. Start the conversation with the world. Yes, save your shakes. Hashtag save your shakes. No, I can't even say it anymore. Shave no, your shakes. No, no, <laughs> I had no. something else I wanted to say about the whole like save your thing. First of all, I can't believe there has not yet been an episode called The Savior. Yeah. So I guess they were saving it for this. This was even brought up in the chat room, and I know I always bring this up, so I'm sorry if you're not a fan, but um, it really reminded me of Buffy, um, <laughs> the whole the whole notion of this is how a save that's what a save or what did he say that's what a savior always says and that's how they always go that's how the savior story always goes and basically like the whole notion of buffy is that there's a slayer that's the savior of the world basically and when one they inevitably die and then the next one takes over and i just wonder if they're kind of going to play it a little bit like that but then even the whole prophecy thing the whole premonition that she got and I've talked about this before when Rumpelstiltskin got the premonition from the creepy kid with the eyes in her hands, um, that <laughs> I feel like when you think you know the future, you take steps to make that, to make it happen or to try and change it. And that's what actually makes it come to pass, which is something that they, they definitely toyed with um, in Buffy specifically in season one when she was told she was going to die, and then the whole way that she died was because she knew she was going to die, and she went to go stop it. So it, it's just, it's an interesting, I've always found that so fascinating that they play with things like that so much, and I'm interested to know what they're going to do with it this season. And it, it, it kind of reminds me of the author, how the title of the author is passed on is the title of the Savior passed on in some ways, too. When we watch the show on Sunday nights, we watch it with the captions enabled so that we can make sure that we're hearing everything as well as we can, uh, even though we watch on a tiny little 24-inch screen. But we can do better and bigger with your support. But anyway, oncepodcast.com slash hero. In the captions, they always capitalized Savior, which oh. I thought was a little odd because... Coming from a Christian background, you would capitalize Savior when you're talking about the Savior, like Jesus Christ, a deity. Now, I know the ideas, uh, there's a big shift in modern thinking to try and move away from capitalizing deities, especially from people who don't like to acknowledge the existence of God. Uh, so, to see them in the captions, capitalize Savior. I don't know. Maybe it's just the person whoever wrote the captions just thought you always capitalize the word Savior. Yeah, there was there was a lot about the way they. I guess they're just trying to approach it like like it's just a storytelling trope. But yeah, it was kind of odd the way they were 
talking about the whole topic to me. Do they only capitalize it when they're talking about Emma, like the savior, the specific person? No, they had it capitalized even when they were talking about Aladdin in the very beginning. Yeah. Interesting. What did you think about meeting Belle's baby who called himself, took on the role of Morpheus? Or I'm not going to say that's his actual name. I thought, what is wrong with this child that he has this developed of a mind before birth? That doesn't make any sense to me. That I did not even think of that. That's very true. Like, are we talking but, magic influence here? Because I'm sorry, but I really don't think that just because that's the person he will become that he can in a sort of, I guess, associative sleeping curse state sprinkled with like dream connection sand, which didn't actually touch him, by the way can sort of not only appear as an adult and think and act like an adult, but think enough to sort of have opinions on these things that happened before he was conceived. And so what, he's sort of like genetically absorbing his mother's memories. He just has some kind of magical knowledge of his entire, the entire history of both of his parents, and he can deceive Rumpelstiltskin. In a dream. And he knows to pretend to be someone called Morpheus. Kind of odd for an unborn child. I think <laughs> it's one of the things we're really not supposed to think about too I'm going to think about it a lot. <laughs> but I have the solution. What's Do your you? solution? Blood magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and He's sharing all of Belle's blood. Like that's how pregnancy <laughs> works. <laughs> and there was probably some squid ink involved magic. too. Yes. Yes, for sure. And then the sand absorbed into her magically. So that's awesome. For sure. I thought that there was going to be some type of like time travel involved in that. And then that would make sense. But right. We don't do that anymore. Well, in the dream, I thought the way that they handled the transition from the dark, scary castle to the regular Rumpelstiltskin castle mm-hmm. with the Beauty and the Beast song in the background and Rumpel dancing with Belle. I thought that was really beautiful. Yes, it was rushed. It was quick. It had to be because of how long they have for these episodes. But still, I thought it was yeah. gorgeous the way they did and it that. Was, it was a dream state. I didn't think it felt rushed. Possibly the opposite, but it was enjoyable. And now that you mentioned there weren't really many other flashbacks, it kind of That's why I said traditional flashbacks. It was kind of a flashback type of thing. It was just different. Could it be possible that that wasn't even their son? And it because he said this line that usually our dreams pick us, not the other way around. That really it was just Belle knowing that she had to make that choice, and that somehow that dream made her walk that path so that she could make the proper choice that she knew she had to make and has struggled for so long to actually make as far as knowing that Rumpel's been lying to her constantly. That sort of would make more sense, except that that would mean that she woke herself up from the sleeping curse. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, which I wouldn't put beyond something that they would try to do but i kind of also think they wouldn't but it it's weird because there was almost something about that character that felt like he was going to appear more than just this once but 
I mean, I doubt that the show will run long enough for Belle and Rumpel's son to be that old. And by then that actor would be much older. So unless <laughs> rapid aging, <laughs> Belle raises their baby on a diet of onion rings huh. from the savior. Good. Right. And that'll speed up his growth. <laughs> Those were dark one onion rings. There's been a lot of shows that have had babies born that have s- somehow accelerated their growth. Like sometimes they just disappear into a far off land and then come back in the land that they disappeared in. The time moved a lot faster. Sometimes there's a curse and it freezes everyone for 30 years. I do think I remember Rumpel when he was bargaining with Smee. I believe I remember that he made some kind of threat to say that while he could turn back the clock and make Smee younger, he could also do it the other way around and accelerate his life and make him die sooner. I might be remembering that incorrectly, but so if someone has the ability to speed up the aging of the baby, it's probably Rumpel. The conversations we have now. I can't think (laughs) of a show... I can't think of a like sci-fi show that I've watched that that hasn't happened in. So like, I think even it happened in Xena, which isn't even a sci-fi show, I don't think. But I was so young when I watched that, that I have no recollection of how it happened. But so many shows have done that when they have the babies, because it's a pain in the butt to work with babies. It's hard for a show to include babies all the time in their scenes. That's why they use dolls so often. (laughs) They can only work for like 20 minutes a day. Yeah. What a bunch of babies. I know, right? Children's rights and stuff. (laughs) I thought the conversation also between Regina and Snow White was really neat. I mean, like even Regina confessing, I was an awful stepmother. (laughs) I was like, Snow's going, yet to say the least. (laughs) See, here's the Disney rule. If you are the parent of the main character, you're dead. If you're the main character... You're orphaned. If you are any kind of step relationship to the main character, you're evil. <laughs> That's the Disney rule. It's almost a rule. And how this tied in then with the closing montage, I thought was really neat oh. too. Yeah, a montage. Montage. So speaking of closings, let's close out this initial reactions. But we want your feedback for our upcoming full discussion to give us your theories, your thoughts, your observations. What I'm particularly interested in, this is something I want to look back at, is look closely at all of the items that were at the crash site for the dirigible. Because most likely there are clues there to other stories that we'll see, especially right off as soon as they walk in, the camera kind of focuses on this little thing that's sitting on the ground. But there are all kinds of other things, too. So I really want to see if there are some Easter eggs there and some hints at what might be coming. There was a remarkable lack of severed limbs and burning bodies in that wreckage. Which is probably good for us. Probably good. But we want your feedback for the upcoming show. We want your the Easter eggs that you discover. Uh, just remember to keep everything spoiler-free and email us, feedback at com, or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. And you can call that number any time of the day or night. It doesn't ring to anyone's personal phone, so it, it goes straight to voicemail. So it's really easy for you to call and leave a voicemail that way. Or if you have the ability to get good audio from your computer... 
then send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to comment directly on it or share it with someone else, which is one of the best ways you can support the podcast, then go to oncepodcast.com slash 257. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. We'll be back this upcoming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And we hope you'll join us. And until next time, follow the red bird. And thanks for listening. <laughs> Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and keep the podcast going and help us to do new things, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.